Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Pat, and today I've got amazing fun things. We're going to learn a lot of new stuff. And first up, I have a mother-daughter team, which is always fun. It's always fun to talk to two people and, uh, you know, just learn what their business is about. They are the creative mind behind the quilt company, which I, if you are not familiar with their patterns, once we start talking, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I've seen those. So I have Arlene Stamper and Melissa Harris. So thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. Hi. Hi. We have um, Melissa and Arlene on speakerphone. And Arlene, you are the mom of the team. How are you? I'm great. I am the mom indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Melissa, you know, did you ever think that you would end up working with your mom? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I grew up uh, in, obviously, a quilting household. My mom used to make all my clothes. We had matching outfits, which was not <laughs> ideal for a teenager. And uh, and I, although I did help her with uh, some fabric selections and making a quilt, it wasn't really something that I was uh, interested, you know, growing up in my teenage years, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Arlene, at what point did you think to yourself, you know, I want to have a, this this quilting business, and, you know, did you start it yourself? Well, you know, Pat, I, I started, um, actually, it was kind of a funny story. I, it took me 14 years to get a college degree. I was a slow learner. <laughs> and I finally got my degree, and one of the gals in my uh, college class, said to me, she says, you know, I'm going to take a quilt class. I'm going to take the summer off before I get a job, and and uh, why don't you come join me? And so that's what happened, and I, I got hooked, and I started taking classes, and then before I knew it, I was teaching. So that was back in, oh, gosh, uh, the 80s, and early 80s, mm-hmm. and I started teaching. I was taught for over 20 years, and... It was just a wonderful, wonderful time to be in the quilting business, still is. And then when um, uh, Melissa was at a point where she kind of wanted to work from home, and Uh uh, I told her, I said, well, you know, I've been teaching almost 20 years, I said, and I was traveling quite a bit. So I said, well, gee, maybe we should start a pattern business, and that's, that's how it started. Well, yeah. You, you were you designing already? Were you already doing some of that when you because you were teaching? Yeah. So I had a, a very popular class I taught for many years called the Swap a Block, and it was the forerunner of the block exchange quilt, where um, you have mm-hmm. a group of ladies. I had maybe twelve in a group, and then we would pick a theme. Let's say it's uh, you know barns. And then each person would have a different barn pattern. Well, they didn't all have their own patterns, of course, so I started designing mm-hmm. patterns for them, and that's how it started and kind of how we got into Block of the Month uh, patterns as well, making them. So, Melissa, when when your mom had this idea, were you really excited? I'm just, like, curious. Like, were you thinking, like, Mom, really? I'm going to have to work with you? Or were you sort of ready? Well, it's kind of funny because uh, the, my recollection of how the business got started is slightly different than hers. 
<laughs> so my my understanding was that she had a a preference. My husband and I had uh, recently been married, and we were considering starting a family. And she ha- was really hoping that I would be able to stay fr- stay at home and work from home. And I at the time had a mm-hmm. you know very long hours uh, corporate job. And mm-hmm. so she thought, well, you know, I keep getting these people that keep asking me for patterns that I should just sell them, that they, they think it would be a good idea to sell them. She's like, would you be interested at all with your business background combining, you know, the quilting part and seeing if it was a business that we can run from home, that way you could stay home when you, when you had a family. And, and that mm-hmm. was appealing to me, absolutely. Um, I, at the time, I thought I could do both. I thought I could keep my job and have this business and have kids, but it ultimately was uh, the business ended up turning out to be um, uh, much more productive and kids are hard too, so it was just too much. So I ended up doing this. <laughs> it was part-time in the beginning and it, it became more and more full-time as time, you know, business grew. That is so fun. I just, I just love hearing how, I love hearing that the stories are different because I work with my husband and, and we have different stories too about how that all happened. So, <laughs> what family? What family? <laughs> Did you hear the story about how we we actually just got into it? Um, in terms of uh, deciding whether we were going to make a go of it or not, I think I might have written a little bit about it, but it's a little bit funny. So we yeah, tell we decide, me, tell me. We, we decided to go to a quilt market. And um, we had done a little bit of research on it, but really we had never done one before. And we decided we ran the numbers and we um, had one pattern. It was Century Sue, and it was this, um, it was Sunbonnet Sue going through the different um, decades. So it had some funny names uh, of Amelia Earhart Sue and Disco Sue and kind of a real fun quilt. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we, we didn't have any patterns. We hadn't written the instructions or any of that stuff. We decided we'd go and we'd hang the quilt, and we would take names and numbers and take orders. And we figured out a break-even point, and if we had sold 100 of them, we'd go home and quickly write the patterns and mail them out. <laughs> but if we didn't, then we were going to call everybody back and say, sorry, you know, it just didn't work out. Work out. <laughs> So uh, we get there, we sell like 2,500 of these things. <laughs> so we have to go home and, you know, quickly make these patterns and get them out. And that and ultimately started the rest of the business. Oh, that, that is an awesome story. Oh, my gosh. Now I want that pattern. I was like. <laughs> Bring her back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so let's tell me a little bit about the design process, process because you you do a lot of applique, which I love. I'm I'm an applique at heart person. Uh, you and they also tend to have like each quilt tends to have a little bit of a theme. So, how do you work on developing it? Is one one of you responsible and the other one you know does the writing? How is it split up? Oh, we do do that. We uh, our process is it it has changed over the years with technologies we used to in the old days we would take copies of fabric that we wanted to use and cut them out and put them up on the wall so that we could uh, see what it would look like before we actually made it without cutting up any fabric but now with the computer and my background with computers we you know swatch all the fabric into the computer and design it literally from top to bottom in the computer we both do that together all at the same time mm-hmm. and um, until we like it, 
and then we move mm-hmm. on. Then she, my mom typically writes the instructions. That's her background. Uh, she used to write okay. all the instructions for her classes, and um, and then I do more of the graphics and and um, you know the visual part of it. Mm-hmm. So with all the different projects that you've done, like Arlene, do you have a personal favorite? I mean, it's hard to say that because you know I know it's hard to say you have a favorite quilt, but I'm asking anyways. <laughs> And we all know they're all like our babies, right? I mean, we love mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do have I have personal favorites because, you know, when we design our quilts, people have asked us how come our quilts always come out. Our quilt patterns always the same size quilt, pretty much the same size. Um, mm-hmm. But it's because they fit on our walls. We decorate our houses with the quilt. And so it has to fit <laughs> in size space. So having said that, um, I change out my quilts. I'm sure a lot of quilters do this. We always mm-hmm. change out for the seasons. And, I mean, we have them up for practically every season you can think of. Uh, right now, of course, we're fully decorated for Halloween. Uh, so mm-hmm. my favorite quilt is, of course, the So Spooky quilt. That's one Yay. of my favorites. I also have some <laughs> right now as well. So I love them both. So, Melissa, do you have uh, a personal favorite, one that every time you pull it out, you go like, oh, there it is? Yeah, um, I actually like From the Heart, and it's mostly because I think I'm drawn to fabric. So I love the reds and the creams. And uh, mm-hmm. be my, as probably most people are, but I'm very more fabric-driven. So whatever the color of it speaks to me probably more than ne- necessarily the subject matter of it. Mm-hmm. I like that one too, and I like red, so I, I can yeah. I get that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get that. So with with these projects, you know, you have a lot of detail in there, but there, you know, but all levels of people can do your projects. So what are a few tips that you like to give out for making them successful? You know, um, it's a funny story, Pat. Actually, we're we're actually teasers at heart. Uh, which is so oh. funny because we always giggle when people say, oh, you're appliqueers. And we go, oh, not really. We're really pieces. So um, we had started out as making mostly piece quilts, but because really all the fun, cute stuff is is appliqued, mm-hmm. uh, we started adding more and more appliqued to our, to our quilts. And a lot of our patterns now are just strictly appliqued. But we do use fusible web. Um, and because mainly because we're always on a time crunch making our samples. Um, so we use uh, a wonderful, uh, soft, usable web, uh, which is um, Stacy's soft use. Soft use. Soft use. Okay. And we love that. It's a wonderful, fusible uh, web, very nice and thin, so it doesn't make it thick and hard. Um, so, yeah, that's what we use, this beautiful web. We don't uh, really do much hand applique ourselves. Yeah, so this they lend themselves very nicely, your patterns, the fusible, because you have, you know, a lot of smaller shapes, so that makes it easy for all levels of people to do. Yes, even though I, I we do have a lot of people that do them by hand. Six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. 
Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. You can visit uh, Melissa and Arlene at the Quilt Company. That's where you're going to find them. So next we're going to talk about learning. There's so much that quilters like to learn. I mean, there's so many techniques and there's different ways to learn. And I am thrilled because there's a huge show. I'm sure that you've heard about it in Houston, Texas in the fall. And it's uh, run by Quilts, Inc. And it's called Quilt Festival. So I asked Marsha Baker, Marsha Barker, who is um, responsible for all of this sort of education that goes on. She's a direct, current director, director of education. So Marsha and I are going to talk about things that you can learn. Marsha, thanks for being here. Thanks, Pat. It's great. I appreciate the invitation to join you today. You know, I've been going to um, the trade show for years, and I've met all of the staff, and I've seen you for years, and we've chatted. And I thought, you know, it would be a lot of fun to learn what is available at the festival, because the festival is where all, like, how many classes are you running for people? Uh, I think it's like 535 this year. It's it's quite a few. Uh, If you can't find something there, you're not really trying, because there's something for everybody. Yeah, they, I mean, and they, some of them go fast, some of them go slower. But I want to first ask you, Marsha, just your background a little bit. Um, you come from a sewing background, but not a quilting background, right? That's right. I, I actually uh, come from a garment background. I do have quilters mm-hmm. in my heritage for sure. I have great aunts and grandmothers and all that did the more utilitarian type of quilting, you know, back on the farm in Kentucky. But uh, Mm -hmm. my mother was raised in California, and so she learned garments, and uh, she taught me garments. And so I've been doing that since, gosh, probably about eight years old in the fourth grade and uh, went on to Mm -hmm. do, you know, the whole prom dress, uh, key on the shirts for my dad, and then on into home deck and all. So it's been a great foundation for coming into the quilt industry, though, because I certainly understand their passion for fabric and while I may be a five-eighths inch kind of seam allowance girl and they may do quarter-inch <laughs> seam allowances, <laughs> we, we all understand making progress on a project. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I think this fabric joins everybody. No matter what you make with it, you can find, you know, something. That, and, you know, and at Quiltbink, uh for the festival, you have some garment things, right? 
We do have a few garment classes, fitting classes. Yes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've tried to have every, something for everybody. Yeah, because I think clothing has sort of a resurgence a bit with, you know, Project Runway and things like that where, you know, people are, you know, I ask a lot when I go out to talk, who's still making clothes? And there's more people now than like 10 years ago. When, yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, yeah. Yeah. They're hardly, but then, you know, way back when I first started, there used to be big fashion shows at the quilt shows for all the fancy garments. Um, that was always fun to see. You know, when, when, Absolutely. how long have you been with, um, how long have you been with Quilt Inc.? Well, I actually started in 2000, uh, working with the education mm. staff, and then in 2006, um, talking about fashion, I was in charge of the Bernina Fashion Show. If you remember that era, that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Mhm, mhm. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about you know just this sort of give like an overview. Tell me what type of workshops um, are out there for people like like length of time. Do you have a variety of length of time for a class? We sure do. We have everything from half day classes, uh, which can be three to four hours, depending on whether they are a regular sewing machine classroom or the long arm classes tend to go four hours Mm -hmm. or eight hours. Our regular half-day classes are three hours. Our full days are six hours. And we have Mm -hmm. mid-arms classes. We have two-day classes. We have um, knitting classes, dye classes, uh, everything in the whole world of mixed media, from applique to piecing to all kinds of different techniques and projects. So a wide, wide variety within that 500 classes and seven days of classes. We have over 130 faculty members that are bringing their expertise to the table. So just a tremendous wow. selection. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of people to keep track of. You do you, I assume you have like more people than just you that help with this? We do. We have we have a great yeah. team. We have two full time staffers, and then we have a team mm-hmm. of about 20 ladies that come in actually from all over the country to help us just mm-hmm. during the show, and they keep things running behind uh-huh. the scenes. That is amazing. Now, what about machines, Marsha? Because, you know, a lot of people fly to Houston. You know, they don't – I mean, you have commuting distance people, but people will fly in and don't want to bring their big girl machines, you know. that. What, uh, what do you provide? Sure. All of our sewing machine classes have sewing machines provided in the classroom, so that's never an issue. Mm. You don't have to bring your own. We have all of that provided, 25 machines per room, and all set mm-hmm. up by a, a wide variety of the main manufacturers uh, in the industry. Yeah. So I know I work with Baby Lock, and they have their Baby Lock rooms, and their the long arms, you know, I've seen like Handy Quilter and APQS and, you know, Gamels, right? They just all sort of... Have, uh, so, yes, we have long arm rooms with, with Gamel, Innova, and Handy Quilter. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. uh, our sewing machine rooms are Juki and, and Viking and Janome and Elma, you know, the whole gamut, Brother, Bernina, Baby Lock, Janome. Mm-hmm. I would hate to leave one out, but, yes, <laughs> we right. have them all. <laughs> if you can think of them, they're probably there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So when people want to sign up for these classes, and once again, because of the travel or because a lot of them have unique, like if you're doing mixed media and let's say I hadn't done it before, why may not have all of the supplies? Are, are there supply kits that some teachers provide? Um, what is sort of the norm? Many of the classes are kitted. 
And uh, mm -hmm. those that are not certainly have the complete supply list listed in our catalog and also on our website, so they can access mm -hmm. that information there. We also have a festival supply store that's available up on the third floor if they've forgotten a small item or need a little more fabric and they don't want to go all the way back down to the first floor mm. or the, is, it is without, outside the hours of operation of the show floor, they can always pick up mm -hmm. what they need there. But yes, a lot of the uh, classes are kitted and then they will have an additional materials fee that's listed there so you know that some supplies are being provided. Mm -hmm. you know, Marcia, for yourself, like when you're doing these classes, like I think for me, I would be going like, oh, I really want to learn this or I really want to learn that. Is there one thing that whenever these come in, you're going like, hmm, if I wasn't working, I'd be taking this class? <laughs> There's many of those. Um, you know, I think one of the most unique things that we're offering right now uh, that I, I don't, I'm not aware of being offered anywhere else, and that's our progressive classes. It's a series of three classes that are taught by Charlotte Angotti, Debbie, Caffrey, Debbie Beatty Caffrey, and Karen K. Stone. And they've, they've gotten together prior to the classes, and they have chosen fabric. So all three classes use the same fabric in their project. Each project mm -hmm. can stand alone, or you can take multiple classes, either one, two, or three, and know that your project blocks will all blend together into a gorgeous larger project quilt you know, however big you want to make it. So the uh, the talents of those three ladies combined with such a collaborative, creative kind of process has really been fascinating to watch. Uh, we'll be doing this for the second time in Houston this year, and we've also done it in yeah. Chicago. So that's one to watch out for. And, and then they show all of those quilt tops that have been combined with these three different classes at the Progressive Reveal Luncheon on Saturday. Hmm. That is neat. That's a, that's a lot of fun for people to try techniques and then be able to combine them. That's very cool. You also it do lectures? Yes, we do. We have a full slate of lectures, and they usually run just one hour, so it's a great thing you can pop in and out of uh, even when you're shopping mm -hmm. the show floor and you just want to come up and do a quick lecture with a great variety of speakers there, too. Uh-huh. And then this, this also is going, this is all going on the same time as the actual quilt show and the vendor area. So it's really, a, you know, if somebody's taking classes, they're taking, they should take advantage of all of it. Right. Our classes actually start on Monday. So you can take classes mm -hmm. Monday, Tuesday, and then the show floor opens Wednesday evening and then opens, that's just for a preview night, opens to the public on mm -hmm. Thursday morning. So we will have everything running full swing classes, lectures, uh, luncheons, special events, and all of the show floor Thursday through Sunday. So there is lots to see, and you need to wear your most comfy shoes so you can see it all. <laughs> That's true. And have a plan, don't you think? Have a, right. a little bit of a plan. <laughs> little strategy never hurts. Right, never hurts. Now, Marcia, personally, you are a super interesting background. Um, you You did many things, like you worked with up with people when you were, you know, right out of school, I guess. And that, that is sort of a, a big event thing. Do you find that you bring what all that knowledge is now to this job? Oh, absolutely. There's just a, a sense of show that's sort of ingrained in me where you set up something really wonderful, you invite the public in, you do it first class, take it down and go home and feel very satisfied. So that definitely carries over from the, from the performing days. 
Um, and then also just the sense of people and enjoying people and the diversity and, uh, and enjoying learning. So I just enjoy helping other people learn. And you also have done, you've done, you're, you're like a handy woman. You're like not only with the needle and thread, but you know, you, you've built homes for Habitat of Humanity, but you also teach people. Um, that must have been exciting to teach. You had women teams that you taught to build homes. Oh, we had a blast. Uh, I was a construction crew leader for Habitat for Humanity for many years, but I began that, that phase of my life by working on the first all-women built home, and a lot of those women were mm. quilters. And it was fascinating mm. to see how precise they were in their carpentry. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, are, and I, they, they, they know how to miter those corners when it comes to molding, let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So yeah, we can take our skills anywhere. That's what that's what I'm learning from you, Marsha. That's like <laughs> absolutely. Well, I want to tell people that they can. We're just about up for the break here. That they can go to um, tell them where to go to find info on the show. Just to quilts.com. It's very simple. Q U I L T S dot com. Uh, anyone interested in teaching at Quilt Festival is welcome to send me any information at Marcia B, M-A-R-C-I-A-B, at quilts.com. Yes. So that, that'll give you all of the, um, we have like about 30 seconds here. So that'll give you all the information. They can go see all the class listings and, and you can download those things too, right, Marcia? Absolutely. All the class listings, all of the uh, the information on the exhibits down on the show floor, all of the luncheon lectures, the lecture presenters, everything. Well, Marcia, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, and I can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Thanks, Pat. I enjoyed it, too. And, yeah, we'll, we'll have to catch up a little bit more while we're there, okay? Right. We will. We will. I'll try to find you. <laughs> Amongst okay. everybody. <laughs> so this is uh, Pat. This is Pat Sloan, and we're going to take a little ba- a break, and then we're going to be back and talk a lot about thread in the whole second half of the show because thread is super important. I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcase. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag 
APQ Quilt Along to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I am Pat Sloan, and this whole half of the show, we're going to talk thread and machine quilting and creativity, immense creativity with the wonderful Karen Miller of Redbird Quilt Company. Karen was on the show a little while ago, and uh, I need to have her back because she has been doing a lot of fabulous things, and she's been out teaching and I just thought we just need to have a deeper chat about uh, thread and machine quilting. So, Karen, I'm really happy you're able to do this today. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me on, Pat. I'm really excited to be back on the show. It's been a little while, but a lot has gone on in the last couple of years. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I wanted to bring, I wanted to tell you when we were chatting and stuff, I was like, I had forgotten whether I even knew that you were, came from the world of software development, which is sort of, you know, that's, that's what I did too. And you were telling me that you had very intense left logic brain type of things going on in the type of work that you did. Um, <laughs> like, I very, really you know, I, I just crack up because I look at your work and it is free flowing and it's asymmetrical. And um, but did, were you when you were doing your, you know, your first career, and really intense <laughs> logic type work? <laughs> did yeah. you also create other things, or were you just sort of not making okay. other things? Well, I guess I did because from the time I was pretty young, I did do um, things like cross-stitching and embroidery and cool, but I was always doing things that what someone else had already designed, right? But thankfully, you know, my mom was a single mom, so my sister, my older sister Janet, spent a lot of time with me because mom didn't have time to get me into the um, cruel embroidery, and that was a lot of fun. But, I, you know, when I um, I went to college for programming and my first job was like in a federal systems division doing really, really high-end um, federal systems analysis, data analysis, and all left side, all left side brain work, mm-hmm. you know, logic and science. And I never thought, I never had any idea I would do anything really creative with my life. I, I love the outdoors, though, so I did a lot with nature mm-hmm. and outdoors and birds, but never, ever thought I would be doing what I'm doing today. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I have, I have friends, when I was, in software, we had this sort of one creative group, and they were the people who, like, sort of did woodworking on the side, but then we had the ones that, you know, that, that wasn't part of their life. But what, how, did, how did you all of a sudden sort of change out from that structure, that real structure part? Because my brain gets split, Karen. I don't know if yours does, but if I am in heavy logic mode, I can't really design that well. You know, it yeah, just I, doesn't, it doesn't open up. Yeah, I, I think I'm in that same boat. I get, I get, uh, captured that way too. So, um, I, I think, um, thankfully again, my sister Janet, um, got me, asked me to join her with a block of the month. And it was before I had, I had done some garment sewing when I was younger. Um, when I was old enough to work, I went to work because our, family was very poor. And so I just did garment sewing and I thought sewing was about pushing garments through this 
you know, machine and getting as much piece work done as you could, right? But then um, when I, I'm like 45 or so years old and my sister says, um, we, uh, why don't you start quilting with me? She was heavily into it, and I loved everything she made. And so I did. I did this block of the month with her, and I really fell in love with um, – learning a new process i think the left side of my brain said oh look another process you can dissect right something else that you can analyze so i started dissecting it right dissecting quilting and i'm still doing that even today every time i learn another part of the industry right just of fabric design it doesn't matter thread it doesn't whatever it is i begin to dissect it my People in my classrooms are like, wow, yes, I guess you were a programmer, <laughs> weren't you one? <laughs> because I'm very logical about things. I'll try to have fun, but I'm also very logical because I love to dissect. But, yes, I'm um, mm-hmm. creating my first quilt, realizing maybe piecing was a little too accurate and uh, picky mm-hmm. for me. I immediately went into applique and then wool applique, and I just found my way, really, when I started free motion quilting or quilting my own pieces, just small things, nothing major um but i really really fell in love with that and the right side of my brain came alive it was like oh look there's a different part of you i love it and and i'm kind of been chasing that <laughs> down that dream now for several years it's so much fun i did i think it's just so funny is like you're you're i mean my brain is so split so i can just see i can just see i mean i know exactly what you're talking about although i always sort of had the I used to take my quilts into my staff because they were, you know, they worked for me. And I used to show them the quilts because they worked for me. So they were captive audience. So they'd be like, oh, uh-huh. what I made? Yeah, they had to love it, right? It was required. <laughs> That's so, perfect. Everybody how, should have that. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. You know, I'd hang them in my office and I'd be like, oh, God. You know, but... <laughs> it worked out yeah, good. Yeah. So, yeah. so you you started doing this with your sister, and you started mm-hmm. sort of exploring. You know, maybe you got a little mm-hmm. bit out of your analysis mode. But when did mm-hmm. you think, you know, hey, I'd rather do this, or did you retire from one business and start this? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of did both things uh, jointly. I, um, <laughs> yeah, and I know it's really hard, but and it's funny. Like I'm retired now, but from my. Uh, programmer, analyst, you know, IT positioning positions that I've held. But um, I started um, blogging, actually, about what I was Mm. making. And I learned so much from other bloggers. You know, most designers have blogs and uh, amazing pattern designers, whether they're a fabric designer or not, they all have blogs. You know, everybody was blogging. And so I started reading other people's blogs and learning the things I needed to do. Like my sister will tell you she doesn't free motion quilt, right? So she couldn't teach me that. Mm-hmm. So I found other mm-hmm. people that could, that were online, that were blogging. And then once I saw how much those folks were giving to the community, back to the quilting community, I decided I wanted to do that too. And it was really simple for me because... Uh, again, I would break things down into pieces, right, and write these really mm-hmm. detailed tutorials and take all these detailed <laughs> images. And so that left side brain was working oh, still pretty good along with the right side in it. Um, mm-hmm. It got me exposure to uh, Moda's Bake Shop. Of course, the, one of the very first patterns I ever published was with them, and it was a tutorial, and it's, um, that was a pillow that I did, and then I followed with the Redbird and Berries, which was was and still is very popular, and I'm very grateful for Moda that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, and I just one thing led to another, and that 
that right side kind of came to life and said, wow, I guess I really do love creating things, um, looking at a piece of fabric or multiple pieces of fabric and seeing how it could come together um, into something different than um, a fabric uh, just laying there on the table. So, yeah, I it got me exposure to the market, to the industry, to other designers, to um, guilds and shops, and I started teaching locally at uh, my local shop in um in around Ithaca, New York. And um one thing led to another and when the bake shop stuff started being coming popular, I got calls from other, you know, from guilds and other shops and I'm like, wait, I never planned this. I had no intention of being an educator. Right? It wasn't right. in my plan. I was just doing kind of felt this the new love, a newfound love, right? And mm-hmm. it's very excited about it. And I and it's not stopped. That excitement just continues to thrive and it's so much fun. I, I hope other people feel that way about quilting. Yeah, I I just I'm still like all these years, I still love it. You know, there's always something mm-hmm. new, there's always something that sparks the interest. So for you, your sort of passion has dived right now and it might change for you later, but right now it's really in your free motion. Um that's mm-hmm. what I see. When mm-hmm. when you first started exploring with that what part of that were you like, wow, this is, you know, this really is something I want to do more of? Hmm. I think because it's such a, there's such a broad area of of creativity that you can have with free motion quilting. It was, um, I didn't have to be real accurate about things. So maybe the left side was tired of being accurate and analytical <laughs> and the right, and the right side was branching out and going, Oh, look, this is fun. You don't have to like, your points don't have to meet and it's okay if you cut this tip off here or there with your free motion quilting. And when I first started, I was, um, I was uh, following really closely Wendy Shepard and, um, mm. in, you know, I was kind of looking at all the beautiful mm-hmm. things she made and it was very intriguing for me to go, Oh my goodness, you can do pebbles and you can do squares and you can do feathers and all this beautiful artwork. It just caught my eye and I loved, um, loved being able to just, um, be wide open about it. And because I wasn't making a lot of really intense, intensely pieced quilts, I, I didn't mm-hmm. spend years and years on these pieces. I was making very small mm-hmm. things, small wool applique things that I wasn't afraid to ruin. Um, I, I kind of let myself branch out and I had a lot of encouragement from the people around me that were saying, Oh, you can do that piece yourself. I'm saying, oh, I'm going to send this to somebody to do. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're, you can yeah. do this. You've already shown us you can do this. So I had so much encouragement from other people that that were close to me, and that really made a huge difference for me to um, love to, to try free motion quilting and not be afraid of it. So I'm curious, like, when you uh, um, sort of approach a piece, uh, Karen, because let's talk about your crane or the blue, the great blue heron that mm-hmm. I have in the mm-hmm. image, uh, because mm-hmm. the Full picture of that has it's, it's it's like a picture. I mean, your your the heron is the applicate on, but everything else is all your quilting that makes the picture. So, are you how do you approach that? Are you sketching it? Um, you know, we have just you know a little bit of time here before we have to take a break. But how do you do that? Okay. 
Yeah, I um, that bird came from, um, I taught in Virginia at a program called Birds of a Feather, and they had chose the great blue heron as the focus bird for 2018. So I went looking. I, I, there, were, uh, there are a lot of amazing artists that are, go to this show that all create herons, and I knew that I didn't have that necessarily the artist side of me, so I wanted to do a silhouette. Uh, I also wanted to sh- highlight my thread collection with RFL, this other sampler that has a variety of different weights in it. So a good friend of mine, um, Terry, uh, dyed a piece of fabric for me, and I put this silhouette of the heron on there and then let my thread uh, that's in my collection kind of match up against the fabric that Terry gave me. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it allowed me to kind of... Um, add all these different colored threads and different weights of threads to create the beautiful free motion quilting in the background. So I think we're getting close to taking a break. And when um, when we're going to come back, Karen, what I want to do is talk about thread because as a person who does machine quilting, thread is your big, your biggest tool. Um, and, you know, you know, it it comes in all different weights, and both you and I work with Orifil, and we love Orifil, and you've done some new programs with them. So we're going to do this, the, the last segment then, is go deep into all of that. Um, what is your what is, you know, what is your current thread collection's name? The current collection is called the Subtle Sampler, and it actually has four different weights plus monofilament inside. So uh, yeah, I would Perfect. love to put all the different weights into one collection. Okay, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I am talking to Karen Miller of uh, Red Bird Quilt, and we're talking thread, 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 thread. Karen, thread is your tool. It's like your paint, right? It is. Yes, yes, yes. I love thread. And, of course, RFL thread is my very, very favorite only cotton thread that I use. I just um, I enjoy using all the different weights, and there's so many different colors to choose from. And when you're free motion quilting, your thread does become your paint because, believe me, you don't want me to be painting <laughs> so, without <Right>. thread. 
yeah it's kind of like i paint with fabric you know like you paint with thread so so you know you've developed a brand new uh, education program uh for orphils um you know the designers who use it and you've been doing a lot of training for them tell me what the what it is what it's about yeah, so um, in the last few months, we've developed a program with RFL, and I'm working directly with the great folks at RFL to create a program called Aura Philosophy. Wait, I absolutely love the name Aura Philosophy. It I know. Kind of Did you thing. make up the name? <laughs> well, I love came, that name. Kind of, it was kind of a joint effort. There were a lot of us putting uh, our two cents into what we should call the education mm-hmm. program. We definitely wanted yeah. it to be unique, though, and we thought our philosophy was perfect because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's about um, it, you know it's a, it's about learning about the um, the mysteries of the thread, educating about the mysteries of the thread. So it was it worked out really well that way. But our intent is really to. Um, teach other people about cotton thread, about RFL thread, how it's created, all the different weights that exist out there with RFL thread, all the colors, why RFL thread is um, is a higher quality than most other threads in the market. And um, what we're finding is that, um, of course, one person, you, you and I know, uh, being educators, that we can't get out to all the people in the world to yeah. tell them the great news about this thread. So training initially in the United States, we're training about 20 RF philosophers. Um, really mm-hmm. excited because they're amazing designers, right? They're all really creative. Mm-hmm. They're all really excited. They all already have great education programs and are using RFL threads. So they're very familiar with the thread and they're very um, happy to use the thread. So these educators are going to be able to um, span the globe, or at least the United States, to share their love of thread and just talk about details that, you know, Pat, when I go and I talk to guilds, um, sometimes the folks don't understand that there's a variety of threads available, right. uh, albeit different, you know, whether it's made from cotton or poly or other um, or other. Um, Fibers, um, they don't understand mm-hmm. that, and they may not may not have ever been um, educated on different weights of thread, um, different mm-hmm. production uh, steps of thread, and why one thread would be better than another thread. Mm-hmm. So our philosophy um, really helps educate those masses on these details, and we're getting really awesome feedback about it because um, we've test drove the content a few times, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. here and there, maybe not calling it our philosophy, but calling uh, calling it something right. else because, yeah, and we're getting great, great feedback on people learning about different weights and how you can apply them to your quilting projects. Uh, it's been an awesome, so awesome program. This, why don't we do this, Karen, because um, I want to talk about the weights just a little bit. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that because of this new program, there's going to be a lot of people educated to give the same message. They have the same information mm-hmm that you developed a whole training program to give out. So, you know, I've done my own thing. Another person would have done their own thing. And now there's a, a consistent information and, and tips and ways of doing it. So tell me about, I mean, let's talk about the different weights because they do different things. You can give me each weight of cotton thread and then just give me a little mm-hmm. brief on how it can be used and what it's good for. Certainly, yeah. So RSL has... 
five different two-ply, that's two strands twisted together, five different two-ply cotton threads, different weights. Um, The thinnest or the finest weight is the highest number. That's an 80 weight. That weight's going to be perfect for your English paper piecers, for your needle turn applique, for really, really fine, fine quilting. It's, it's, that thread's going to sink right into the background of something, right? It's going to disappear mm-hmm. very, very fine. And if you want to, if uh, uh, folks may want to um, relate it to maybe a silk thread, whatever you're using silk mm-hmm. for today, um, because silk thread is mostly usually a hundred weight thread. So this 80 weight thread, two plies, comes really close to um, matching up with silk. So you could replace mm-hmm. uh, something you're doing with silk with something uh, 80 weight cotton by RFL thread. Um, I've been using it for needle turn applique lately. Um, I love it. I love it because nice. my my stitches disappear right um, into the mm-hmm. into the needle turn <laughs> edge. It's perfect. Yeah. So that's the finest then have, weight. The mm-hmm. then you have like 50, which is pretty much the go-to weight and can yeah. do all the jobs, you know, so every, yeah. I want to be sure we get, yeah, we'll sure, be sure we get in everything. So like 50 is what everybody's piecing okay. with right now, you know, free motion, yep. you can do anything, you know, you can do a hand applique, then you go up to the next yes. weight, which is a little bit thicker, which is... right. A little bit thicker is 40 weight, yep. And you know that if you're looking at a spool of RFL thread and it's green, the actual spool itself Mm -hmm. is green, that's going to be 40 weight thread. The 50 weight, of course, is orange. That's the most famous one. And the 80 weight, 80 weight is on a wooden spool, right? So that's a really beautiful cherry wooden spool. So the 40, yeah, the 40 weight is awesome for getting just a little bit more heft. To your, to your, whether you're doing free motion quilting, maybe you're doing a binding and you, you want to use a little bit more heftier thread than the 50 weight. That would work great for that. Some people, um, like to just, um, use it for piecing. Although personally, I love to use 50 weight because it's going to have your mm-hmm. seam pressed a little bit flatter than a 40 weight thread would. But so 40 weight really can be used in the very similar ways that 50 weight can, but it's just a little bit heavier. Still only two plies, but still all those beautiful 270 colors in that 40 weight thread and but let's talk can we talk about 28 because it's like one of my favorites are you ready uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you okay there okay that mm-hmm. 28 weight thread that comes on the gray spool if you follow me at all you'll see my doodle quilting the doodle quilt a quilter's doodles that 28 mm-hmm. weight thread just like stands out above and beyond you're going to use 28 weight thread when you want your thread to take center stage um, it still runs beautifully through your machine for free motion quilting. Um, you could use it for handwork too, embellishing um, French knots, big stitch quilting. Um, you can use it for those types of, of things as well. But I love to use it for free motion quilting because it says, look at me, look at me. Here I am, a much heavier weight thread. <laughs> and, it, and, and you can't miss it. You can still use it in subtle colors, though. So if you make a mistake, it's not going to show too awful bad. But that 28 weight what are you thread putting is in, beautiful. What are you putting in the bobbin for that one? In the bobbin for 28 weight thread. Personally, everybody has their preferences, but I love to put um, 50 weight in the bobbin almost all the time. So mm-hmm. I would, and the reason why, let me tell you why I'd rather use 50 weight in the bobbin, no matter what other weight I have on top, is because the more thread I can get on that bobbin, the longer I'm going to be able mm-hmm. to stitch without changing it, right? So um, the That's 50 perfect. weight, yeah, yeah, we want to stitch as long as possible before that bobbin runs yeah. out. 
So the 50 weight is very fine, and it'll work perfectly with 28 weight thread. Now, sometimes when we throw that 12 weight thread, that's the really heaviest weight thread that RFL makes today in cotton, and it two plies. Um, sometimes I'll have to throw a 40 weight in my bobbin for that. It depends on how fast I'm quilting, about what I'm quilting. If I'm in a big rush, a 50 weight thread might slice my 12 weight thread, you know, so sometimes mm-hmm. I'll throw 40 in the bobbin for that. But generally, the 50 weight in the bobbin works beautifully. Yeah. So what are you doing about tension? I mean, you you know, there's a vast difference between 12 and 50 for, mm-hmm. you know, like, so you've got to fiddle with your tension. You do, and I think that's one of people's, um, one of our biggest fears, because our grandparents fears, and our indeed. parents, my mom, <laughs> right, my mom and my grandma always said, don't touch the tension, right? So, right don't um, touch you it. Do have, Exactly. Don't change that tension. But when you learn to free motion quilt, you kind of get used to changing the tension. And if you're even if you're just um, walking foot quilting or um, just using your walking foot. So what I find on my machine is that I generally the thicker the thread, I have to lower my top tension. So if I have 50 weight in there and I'm set at a four for my tension, if I have 12 weight in there, I probably got to go down to a lower number like a two. Um, it's um, because the thread is heavier on top. It's going to pull your bobbin tension um, automatically pulls a little bit more, so you don't have to have it pull as much. So you can lower your t- your top tension. You put it to a lower number with the heavier weight threads. And you know the other thing, Pat? Some of these newer machines that have, uh, they're just so smart, these newer electronic right. machines. Yeah. I yeah. have seen some folks get away with using auto. And I, although I don't generally um, condone it, I say give it a try, right? Give it a try and see if it works on auto. Um, generally, I find I have to change my, my, my tension manually. Um, but usually only the top tension, never on the bobbin. And, um, yeah, play with it. Play with your stitches. Get a little scrap piece, you know, and, and play. You also have to change your needle size, right? Um, the heavier your thread gets, the larger the eye of your needle should get. So with, for example, a 50-weight thread, I can use a 7511 needle. But if I have a 12-weight, a heavier-weight thread in my machine, I'm going to have a 9014 or 116 needle in my domestic machine. It's important to get the eye of your needle larger for your heavier threads so that you're not shredding your thread and you're not um, putting a lot of stress. And the other great tip I have on that is to use a top-stitch needle because a top-stitch needle actually has a groove all the way down the front of the shaft of the needle. It actually has a groove, and that groove allows your thread mm-hmm. to ride up and down through all your layers. Without um, gives it, it gives it a little bit of a break. It helps it along. So I say put a top-stitch needle in, and always, always, always a new needle when you're starting the free motion quilt. It's really important. That's that's your left brain analyzing all that. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> let's look at this needle and break it down. Let me call the company and find out how it's manufactured. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. You have so so much, so much great information, Karen. I know we're going to run out of time here soon. So what I want you to do is tell me how you you travel and teach so that people can do hands-on with you, you know, if they they want to. How are they – how do they contact you? 
The best thing to do probably to contact me is go to my redbirdquiltco.com, uh, my website. Um, there's a contact page. Also, my email is right there, karen at redbirdquiltco.com. Um, so um, you can go right to Karen, uh, email me at karen.redbirdquiltco.com. Also know that on the RFL website, all of the RF philosophers are going to be out there. If you go to rfl.com, um, click on the RF philosophy tab, you can see all the great educators that are getting trained, and you can find me there as well. So we'd love to hear from you, love to be able to show you um, get out there teaching some free motion quilting and some RF philosophy. So, yeah, send them my way. Be happy. I love to share my passion with others. It's so much fun. Yeah, might have we, you know, we might have to do this again maybe next year sometime, Karen, where we can talk a little bit more about, like, how you sort of think about how to put the design on or some maybe some tips for, for that part of it. Um, sure. Would you be interested in doing this again and... Oh, absolutely. I, I think you can tell I love to talk about quilting, Pat, right? So, because it's hard to be, make me be quiet at times. But I would love that. Yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges folks have when they're learning to free motion quilt is worried about what to quilt, what to put where. And I often say, you know, let the fabric give you, let lead, lead the way. And don't be afraid to stitch, you know. Go buy Pat's book. It's great. Teach me the machine quilt. I love your book, Pat. I carry it to all my programs with me. Um, Thank but you. But stitching Thank is you. important. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you, Karen. This has been fun. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody. Okay. Thank you, Pat. For your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.